All right. How is it going, everyone? Welcome to Thinkering. If you're watching us live or listening in on the podcast feed, we appreciate you so much. For more on all this awesome stuff that we have, uh, including ExoFathom, uh, episode two is up now. Uh, go to thinkering.space. And also, if you want to have a nice coffee cup or a t-shirt, we have that now. Help support us. Help support the cause. Thank you so much in advance. I'm Jose. I'm Nick. And I'm Keelan. And today we're going to be talking about where we're at and try to figure out how everything is going to restart um, with, you know, what's been going on with the uh, global pandemic. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of countries around the world are, for the most part, starting to soft open, as uh, the phrase has been going around this whole week. Uh, in the United States soft opens for a bunch of states, um, and then to, for us here in California, a lot of counties are trying to go a little bit past the state. Um, Stay, stay in place order but nevertheless things are finally starting to get to the point where we can speak of a, a normal environment right yeah are um, we allowed to are we allowed to say now um that it's okay that we should open up the economy are we not going to be mobbed by angry people anymore i've been i've been know. waiting patiently <laughs> I, I keep telling myself just wait more one more week wait one more week <laughs> i mean uh, well, yeah, one of the uh, interviews that we'll be covering today, uh, you know, discusses that uh, more on that in a bit. Um, but how are you guys doing? I'm great. I'm really can't complain right now. Everything's going good. The heat's come back. Feels a little better to sit outside in the sun. Um, had a had a rough couple of days, you know, sitting around. You you. You'll go through some waves, but uh, I'm on a I'm on an up wave right now. So pleasant, all pleasant over here. Yeah, it's hills and valleys for me. That's for sure. Uh, and I was telling the guys <laughs> earlier that it's some days I wake up and I'm fine. Other days I just want to watch the world burn. Um, so you know, it's it's ups and downs, but mostly everything is cool. Um, I've been doing okay. I think just maintaining this same level of normalcy that I can. And, uh, you know, I think w one thing really craving is, you know, socializing with you guys in some sort of way that's not uh, over the internet. Like, <laughs> it would be really nice to see you guys at some point, I hope this summer. So let's keep our fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I know that traveling, ha like on the road at least, I think that's been the most immediate thing that people have been doing. Um, although I've, I, I can't prove this. Um, I haven't done the statistical analysis, but air flights sound like they, ha I mean, yes, airlines have restricted the amount of flights going on, but people have been able to fly around it, domestically at least. Right. With uh, heightened restrictions and stuff think that they're trying to do their best to stay in business so for some reason the airlines are always a dollar away from going bankrupt i don't know how when all of their ceos make millions of dollars but apparently we need to bail them out again um 
we won't see any, you know, price drops. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I mean, that's the best. Well, yeah, considering the, you know whatever fleet that they actually have deployed right now. Um, but but yeah, um, a lot of things have come about this week. Uh, yes, a month ago, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, about a month ago, stimulus checks were starting to get issued. Um, now there's talks that there's a potential of a of a per month. Uh, type of uh, concept, yeah. which I will say one thing that would guarantee to drive the the economy, and some may even say if it's spun correctly, because I, there there's a way that this can happen. Obviously, it's a it's a, it's a it's an election year. You know, it's all about politics with a, a bunch of stuff. Uh, but if somebody were to be the one to say, like, look, I was the one that was able to pull that off and get people money to spend to drive the economy back. I'm just saying that that does seem like a, a beneficial thing to capitalize uh, on. Now, does reality translate to that? I don't know. I, I don't know how, how I don't know where we've come up with this money. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. This, I, this idea. Sorry, Kalen, just one sec. No, I, 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 this idea that we can just give people money is ridiculous i don't know where i mean and it, it frightens me that so many people think that like oh the government's gonna get you know just print another three trillion dollars that's fine do we not remember our history do we not remember anything about overinflation? do we not remember any of that stuff it boggles my mind that like even the most basic and i only took economics in high school but even <laughs> the the most basic idea of economics this flies right in the face of no, yeah, one hundred percent. And I don't, I don't think we are getting any extra money. If that makes sense, um, this rings to me as one of those situations, like a fake it till you make it. You know, uh, if if my friend has a gold chain and and Jordans and a nice car, then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna borrow Jordans from this person and borrow this person's chain and I'm gonna rent a car for the weekend. That's just how some people think things are to be done. And, and it's the lifestyle of credit. That's what we live on here in our country. So it only made sense to me when they say, oh, we can give you X amount. Now, we know what we've been here in our entire lifestyle. Of, I mean, excuse me, lifetime about the debt. And it's in the trillions. It's in the, the multiple trillions. And it's only going up and it's not going down. And when we get to those things, I think once you're in debt, once 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 the credit bureau says that you're not viable to purchase certain things, but then they're continuously giving you a credit line, you're going to continue to spend that money. Yeah. So the longer mm -hmm. they can just keep shelling it out, they could tell if, if as a whole, we cared about whether or not we had a debt, we wouldn't even be worried about this stimulus. We'd be worried about how to take care of that. So because they know that we're not worried about how to settle that debt because it's not how to, in so many words, it's not coming to our doorstep. It's not, we're not getting a red notice that the lights are going off. So, with that, we're not thinking about how far the debt's going to go. We're not thinking about how much it's going to affect us. We're just taking what we're being told is the solution. So, when we're told that money that we know we already don't have is the solution, but we're not being told that, hey, you're going to have to help pay that debt back. Right. There's no loss for the community. There's no loss for citizens. And we're just going to say, hey, give me my 1200 or my 700 or 18 or whatever your dollar amount is, because everybody's going to get something different. 
And um, whoever gave it to me, hey, you figure it out because it's not my problem. And and if I'm being uh, uh, very honest, most people who borrow money do that to the person that they're borrowing from either way, whether it be the government or anything else. So if you ask me, the best thing this government could do is if you're going to just say, if you're going to try to help in a financial way, if they try to make people pay this back, we'd be hurt. It, it, it would shoot us in the foot so hard um, because you're going to get not only fight back, those same people who are fighting back are still going to take those funds. Yeah, <laughs> And they're going to they're gonna put them towards the effort to fight, fight having to pay it back rather than just taking it to generate and stimulate the economy the way that it's supposed to. Yeah, but the problem is, you know, like this, I, the, the, we're not, uh, this money is going to get paid back in one way or another. And it's got to go back into the system in one way or another. And so we're just we're just delaying when that's going to happen. And I think this whole idea of bringing more stimulus to the people is disastrous twofold because one, it creates more debt for the economy debt that at this moment in time, the only things that are available to be bought are from giant corporations and all small business is out of out of out of business not working nobody's benefiting so the the lion's share of the market is owned by corporations at this point we're not giving that stimulus money back into the community right into the small businesses that help generate the economy we're giving it all to corporations right. we're giving all of that money that they so this is money laundering so this oh, is what happens yes. is that they give us this money then they say, well, the only things that are open right now are Walmart, yeah, Home Depot, yep. every, every giant corporation is open. Yeah. And so now the people just give their money over to those corporations. And so, right. and the other way that this is, you know, this is detrimental to us too, is that it's conditioning the, a large portion of the population to be comfortable on government assistance when they would never be comfortable with that otherwise. Would have never and known think, how the process worked. Exactly. And I think that that's incredibly dangerous for our future if you're incentivizing people to not have to go to work. And look, at, the, at this point in time, it's, it's appropriate for the, the people to have relief because that's what we pay our taxes for. And so it's, it's very important that the people get relief now. What happens when everything is said and done? Are these people going to continue to get relief? Because most of them won't be able to go back to a job. Right. So is this just in perpetuity now that the people that are getting paid you know, $600 over what they were paid at work are just going to continue to get that money? I mean, they're not going to go back to work because now they're making more money than than they would if they were working on unemployment. And so right. you've just incentivized a whole population of people to sit yep. at home and do nothing. And yeah. I think that's a part of. Go ahead, Jose. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, to, to add to that, um, mm-hmm. clearly, the the article I was reading it, it talks about uh, the hypothetical of two thousand dollars per month. Uh, that is retro paid from March. So it, uh, uh, what if, you know, whenever they decide to go forward with this and it actually passes, you're looking at more than 2000 lump sum upfront and then 2000 thereafter up to three months after this whole pandemic is declared uh, done. So, and I'm bringing those numbers up because as you were saying, it's like, okay, you're giving me all these, these funds uh, but then once once we're back to normal, 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 
where like i'm where's where's this income going to come from like i need to have a job mm. to, to add to that point um i could also see some people trying to capitalize on this like trying to uh, spin it and be like, yeah, you know, maybe you didn't get this money before and you've never seen this amount in your account. Reinvest it to something else. Um, Don't go which, back to work for those billionaires, those greedy yes. billionaires. They, right. you, why would you want to go back to work for the system? <laughs> That's terrible. Ugh, I hate that. <laughs> right. right. And, and so what? Um, in some in, in some forms of entrepreneurship, yeah, I, that does sound like an ideal uh, uh, thought. But a successful business owner, especially if you're doing brick and mortar and you're a mom and pop uh, uh, institution, uh, I'm sorry, you need to have some educational background on one, how to run a business, two, how to reinvest into the business, because that's one of the biggest disconnects. And I know a lot of people, even going up to startups that they have, they don't ever reinvest into what they have. They get a, a, a big lump of, of, of funding and they blow it on a on an all you can eat, you know, uh, uh, trust uh, that you pay for it and you don't have to and nothing will get hold against you cafe, you know, it, like mm. examples of that are definitely going to get exposed uh, now going forward, especially with this new concept of like how people will be working. Um, you know, most mostly media, a lot of tech companies, they're going to be having a lot of their employees work from home. So the infrastructure of a building and like the upkeep to that, like paying the bills, that's obviously the corporation's it's a fraction of, yeah, of what they will overhead that yeah, yeah. That. but if you're a mom and pop shop that is uh and you know don't mean to throw this word out there but essentially wanting yeah. you know the need of people coming in mm -hmm. like how do you re how to reevaluate and how to rethink this concept like you you can't just start a, a new business by yourself uh, and no off the cuff and then to think that it's going to be successful, like no, I, you but need especially some when you've already worked so hard to create a successful business as it right. is, that's right. ridiculous to assume that you can just come but go back and start a, start something completely new is is crazy to me. And to 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 underscore this idiocy, in my opinion, the um, reopening of California that happened on Friday wasn't a reopening at all. And we shouldn't be giving credit to anybody for what, what the policy was. If you want to read what you were allowed to do in that reopening, it was stuff that people were doing already. You don't need the government's position, permission to go walk your dog. That was a part of it. And further, now retail stores are allowed to open, but for curbside only. Yep. Guess who doesn't have a, a, a categor categorized website that has all of their inventory? small business owners. So the point of opening retail is completely a, a, a false move to, to make themselves look good. When if you own a record store, you're not making money off of online purchases and, and pick up. I mean, who goes to, who, who orders from a record store to just pick something up? You go in to actually to look. Stuff, you want to go and look at stuff. And retail is all about being in the store and looking. That was the point of retail to begin with. So if you're just saying that oh, now retails that have uh, online inventory and online shopping and are, are set up with that infrastructure can go back to work, but nobody wants to buy that stuff online. Who wants to buy that stuff online when you can go into a store and actually look at it? 
Right. So I mean, yeah, it's a lose lose battle because I mean, the concept of a, like a record store, mm-hmm. like that, it's nostalgia. It's a mm-hmm. physical medium that you use to play. Um, to try to translate that into the world, into the into the internet, uh, that that's Spotify. I mm-hmm. mean, that that's yeah. it's a lose lose battle. Um, but not to say that Spotify is a better option. Like it, it's not. But my because, point is, is that that record store before this was doing fine. It was fine. Right. And right. it was yeah. doing well as a business. So it's not like the free market is is eliminating unsuccessful business here. What's happening is it's government has come in and told these businesses they're not allowed to make money anymore. Right. And well, and, and so that goes to, and I've said this in a few episodes when we talked about the whole rollout and how we're coming back and everything. And it's, I think that structure is being remolded in front of us in so many ways. I, and I think that having certain places like those retail stores, a Ross or Marshalls and those kind of places, because um, even though we don't even see, we don't even think about those as small businesses, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, out, let's let's look at Nevada, Las Vegas, the little casinos you see along the highway on your way to the strip. Those little casinos that are off the strip, those are all small corporations. They're not big, large. They're not Aria Group. They're not MGM. They're not whoever owns 40 of those other places out there. Um, and knowing that most of those places, they own some of these arenas that are around the country. They're own, they own other venues. They're not just in one place. I say that to say this. Those places couldn't be run out unless they were pushed out. So you're going to allow the retailers and those mom and pops, as you alluded to, Nick, they don't have the funding. I mean, well, no, they don't have the funding because mm-hmm. they have to maintain their establishment where they are. They don't have the resources so they already, even though we know they exist as far as their clientele, we are their clientele. So if there's only five of us who are absolutely computer savvy, only three of us are going to go look for them. And only one person is going to actually buy something mm-hmm. because we're all used to being able to go in there for it. Right. I think that's a part of the rollout. I think, hey, we gave them some money and then we told you guys you were open and then they didn't come. Yeah, well, now you're going to fail. Home yeah. for nine. You give us, you give us out of it. They don't even feel safe going to their grandmother's house. Right. And now you're going to fail. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, you just, uh, I, I mean, you give the, the, right. I, and, well, the, and what or, they're going to call that. There's a lag. <laughs> oh, wait, we're lagging. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a big it. lag. Okay. Um, so I was going to say the uh, the bailout, which was in the amount of around three trillion dollars that gets to be created into six trillion dollars, three hundred and fifty billion dollars of that was for small business. Mm-hmm. And it was gone within, I think, 24 hours. Because they understand that money's not coming back, that that's, money's gone. Mm-hmm. It's OK. Think about it like this, uh, and I'll, I'll again, I'll use Nevada and casinos as an example. You have five uh, of those huge casinos on the strip are owned by one group, okay? You'll have 12 of those small casinos and small venues that are owned by one group that doesn't have 164th of the buying power or the equity or the standing power as that one group. There's no way you expect those other 12 entities to survive. You know, like from a business stance, from a political stance, from a, the government is a business. Their job as a business is to provide uh, guidance and loan. 
but that's not what they do. But that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a different argument. But essentially, they are the ones who are saying, like you said a moment ago, they're the ones who are saying you're not allowed to do this, but they're not, they can't outright say, hey, we're putting you out of business. So we're going to give you a situation in which you cannot thrive. Right. You yeah. Know? Creating the situation in order to in order to kill the small business person. Exactly. It's the eight-year-old who doesn't want to take out the trash, so he's gonna make sure he drops it every time on his way out the door. Yeah. I mean, like I get I I I get the um I get the motivation behind it. It's just it seems to me as though I mean, then what is the end goal in in that? That overall monopoly buy. I guess, right? The the basically the uh the ownership of the entire country going to a handful of people yeah it, it, i hate to say this but there are moments within this where i'm i'm listening and i'm paying attention to the political uh verbiage that's being used in a lot of the motions we're going through even as far as military movement it reminds me of that show uh dark angel with jessica alba like when jessica alba came onto the scene way back then right it, I keep getting flashes of in five to six years, we're going to look exactly like that place. Gates everywhere. And, and and I hate to say it this way, and that's scary to us here in America in a first world country, but go to different parts of Africa, go to the Middle East. Guess what? It's already happening. It's been happening longer than we've been alive. Can um, I say real and quick? That's what makes it even more scary. That, mm-hmm. For the record, a good amount of Fox shows have definitely called it. Their writers for certain oh, shows yeah. are either from the future, oh, yeah. the, they're the lizard people, <laughs> or they the can people. transition into different dimensions. Mm. And I'm not making a joke there. I, I'm being serious because the amount of times, at least with the Simpsons franchise, I that they have that. like predicted things actually happening pretty epic and then you're, you're referring to the dark angel scene like I, I yeah i remember watching that show and i remember exactly how the society mm-hmm. was was operating and yeah this is like everyone the, the underlying thing was like yes there was some revolt but like everyone yeah. was okay with it and yeah, that that's totally not okay what's kind of mad at that's you like, for wanting to here. not be okay with it you were a bad person for not wanting to conform in, in that show that was the part like the civilians were were allowed to kill and persecute you in the streets for being found as a rebel. Yeah, well, I mean, this and mind is, you, this was what the, the late nineties. Like, it's not like shows weren't even that gruesome back then. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's certainly. Uh, I think they call it manufacturing consent. So, what you can do is that if no. you have a plan to steer uh, the world in a particular direction, what you can do to help people swallow that pill is that five years before you make a decision, 10 years, 20 years, start putting in the media what you want to do. Let the people digest it slowly. And when it finally comes for the day for that you know, outcome to happen, people will be like, oh, yeah, it's just like that one movie. And it I lessens fall. it lessens the shock and the um, recoil from it because people are like, oh yeah, well that's kind of like this movie, or you know, you've been conditioned to understand that it's a possibility when otherwise it shouldn't be a possibility. Correct. Well, and, and that always makes me wonder about the whole life. I mean, art imitating life. Like I think sometimes it's vice versa as well. Hmm. Um, and sometimes in a, I think it's scarier when you realize that sometimes art can, I mean, 
life itself can imitate the art, not the other way around. Um, I don't mind our experiences being amused for entertainment. I have a huge problem with entertainment being amused for our experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's, it's, you know, there, there's an, I, there's, it's, it's, tough because we're in a situation right now where we're the potential for these dystopian nightmares is just we're at the precipice of it now i don't necessarily want to jump to those conclusions because i want part of me wants to hold on to the normie inside me that you know says that this is all just going to get better everything is going to blow over we're going to feel fine everything is going to be okay but like you said, Keelan, when you start to pay attention more and more, you start to realize that there, it, it, things aren't working in the manner in which you would expect if you expected the government to or the situation to get better. It seems like it's not like right. whoever's in charge of all of this is not interested in things getting better, better per se. Right. Not not for us. At, at, for, not us. for us, exactly, exactly. Not for us, <laughs> for for themselves, mo- more than likely, for sure. But always, yeah. yeah. I'd be and, ashamed of them if they didn't look out for their own better interests. But you don't have to destroy us in the process. Yeah. Well, maybe they do. Who um, knows? And <laughs> yeah, maybe they do. Right. And, and and see, that's the other thing is we and let let's let's look at this in a structure that that makes sense. We're down here. However, you know, whatever, whether you want to make that a pyramid, a ladder, totem pole, whatever, we're down here, which means we're not up there. With that being said, there's a lot of things that, and another example that I love to use, we're the children in this situation. There's some things we're not privy to knowing. However, I am never of the belief that total secrecy and or outright, outright lying or outright hiding something that's right in front of someone or, or, or a group of folks. I don't think that's the way to do it either. Yeah, you know, I agree. There are yeah. things that have to have to be soft rolled out. Right. I, I, I think agree. There, there's always going to be something that has to be soft rolled out. Yeah, certainly. Like they're trying but to soft you don't roll. Just, um, like they're trying to soft roll mm-hmm. um, contact tracing. Uh, we've been we've been right. hearing about oh, we've been mentioning contact tracing actually for a couple months now and since they they first started this whole thing now we're seeing uh, basically armies of snitches right they're uh, they're hiring multitudes. Hi- multitudes of snitches they're hiring in order to check up on you and uh, make sure that you haven't been in contact with anybody who might be uh, corona positive. Um, you know, also, they're uh, happy to report that if you are found to have had Corona or have Corona and you live in a house that only has one bathroom and you live with other people, we're going to have to we're going to have to remove you from that house. Sorry, we just can't have you risk it. We can't. I mean, this is something that the the uh, the, the health <sighs> the health guy or the health person of Ventura County said. So this isn't even like in another country. Right, happening right. This is in our neighborhood. This so is, this is something a county worker said. The health, the health official of that, Ventura that County have a science degree. Well, I don't know, but the health official of Ventura County said that when the contact tracing starts to get more sophisticated, they're going to find 
people in their homes that might be positive for COVID-19. If those people are positive and the people they live with are negative and they don't have the facility or the, uh, the ability to separate from each other, AKA you're poor, you will be right. removed from mm -hmm. your home and put somewhere else. This is the Ventura County health official saying this, literally telling us that they are going to remove people from their homes. From their homes, yep. Sound, sounds familiar, but I don't think we need to say what that sounds like. Yeah, well. Everybody's I mean, read history books. Well, no, that's the problem, is that these these stupid oh, people yeah. that are... <laughs> these <Yeah>. stupid people <laughs> that are begging for this haven't read a damn history book, apparently. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, don't, I, <laughs> I, I will say I don't, that uh, it's, it's not an ideal um, tactic. You know, because again, one of the things that has been uh, that all of us have been trying to uh, tread very carefully is the 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 fear mongering um, concept, right? Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. None of the three of us haven't done that. We've spoken about other people doing that, and we right. clearly know one or two individuals specifically uh, doing that, <laughs> uh, but. I don't know how this motivates people to 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 speak up and speak out. Uh, and then the, what I mean by that is like going to get tested. You know, it's like is, is testing going to be a mandatory thing? Um, I don't know because then I that think goes that into it, the step that that would be their error. If they make anything mandatory, that's when yeah. they're going to fail because going to be the biggest rebellion. You can't do that. I mean, you just you can't tell somebody to to give over their dna to an entity that makes no guarantees of what's going to happen with that dna that's been my thing about the testing for this whole time where's the where are the spit swabs going after your testing okay um sidebar that's mm. my problem with all the genealogy testing oh yeah man so you know that's yeah, my problem that, that, that right? that too. yeah forget that I mean, yeah. you know, if you're if you're okay with giving some company your genetic sequence, then fine. Right. But well, and while we're discussing that, uh, I would like for anyone who doesn't understand what we're saying here, there is a big difference between a government uh, uh, facility like a hospital, or you being mm -hmm. a government worker or a military worker or something like that. It's mm -hmm. different for them to have it. Not saying that they're not doing anything foul with it as well. But it's different for them to have it rather than you just literally give it to, not sell it to. You're purchasing something from a company, a private-owned company that you don't know what their intent is and you don't know who they're associated with and what they are capable of. You're giving them your property, your biological property, and saying, hey, here's my money. Here's my biological property. Now tell me something that I don't know and I yeah. can't prove. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm, I do I hope mean, it's real. I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's that's been my issue with the whole, um, you know, testing and 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 all of that kind of stuff. Personally, I understand why people want to do that, but if it's going to be compulsory, compulsory in order to have some sort of semblance of normalcy, I think that that's going to be a real big issue. Um, it's going to be a very very big issue for a lot of people, and especially if they, you know, because it doesn't stop at the testing. The mandatoriness will not stop at the testing. It'll It'll go to contact tracing. Then everybody that you know is going to be subjected to the same sort of uh, scrutiny that you're under. And right. then go to the vaccine. And now look, I'm not against vaccination. I'm certainly not. But I will say 
that a vaccine that is processed and created in six months is not one that I want to take. I'm sorry. May I use appropriate verbiage for, I believe, how we all feel? Mm. I'm not against vaccination, but I am against inoculation. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm against, I'm against the idea of using something that we don't have any testing for. Vaccines right. take years to cultivate, and the the rush to to push this through when there are therapeutics that could potentially eliminate the need for a vaccine altogether. Like, why are we really doing this? And mm -hmm. then you know, like that'll get you into a rabbit hole you will never get out of if you mm -hmm. if you go into it. So. But, you know, like, it's just, it's not, to me, it doesn't seem safe if it's going to be done, made in six months. I mean, you know, what, I think, what was it, the last vaccine that we did? The, it was for, I don't know, it was in development for like four years. So usually that's how long it takes for those things to be tested and make sure that they're safe. And, but I have you to know. Read now. It's it's ironic you said that, and I'm sitting here looking at my notes. Like I thought I wrote that down. Like how long it takes the average um, virus to be, I mean not virus, a uh, vaccine to be created mm -hmm. after it's become an issue though. Because what I learned was they'll know things exist and they don't care about creating a vaccine because it's not a concern. Right. So they're not even thinking about making a vaccine until it becomes a concern. Or or or, or what was the term? basically until it becomes something that they're worried about affecting what they consider right now, the coronavirus to be doing, affecting our everyday lives, affecting. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense to me for sure. But it doesn't, it, but it, 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 I think my point is, is that our livelihood shouldn't be contingent on a vaccine, especially right now. I now look, okay, I there's that. most evidence is suggesting that this sort of, if there is a vaccine at all, it's going to be very much like a flu vaccine where you're going to have to get it every year anyways. And you know what? Last year's flu vaccine, 25% effective. Didn't work. 25% effectivity. No, I mean, come on. Now, like, one thing I will add yeah, to this ahead. is that, and one clear thing that has become the most obvious practice now going forward everywhere in the world um pertains to hygiene and uh you know covering your mouth when you sneeze mm -hmm. you know these these social practices that generations and, and millennia of citizenship all over the world um this one event just completely you know addressed an across the board style kind of thing like look you need to wash your hands. You need to practice these things. If you're sick, stay home. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that like came to light, um, which, you know, it, it, it's a, it's hard to determine if, if it was, um, if this could have been, well, let's say on a scenario that uh, this could have been in one way prevented based on hygienic practices. If it would have come to light that, yeah, if ever if, if people were more uh, more aware of you know how to keep their hands clean and not touch their face, um, then a bunch of things would be eliminated. Uh, okay, but you know it's like it's I, I'm not happy with the idea that like because of this this whole enforcement of like mm -hmm. you need to do this. Well, and it goes to back to Keelan saying you know parenting. They're parenting us. Yeah. Now it's going to be micromanaging every aspect of our lives because we can't say, you know, we, they have to save us from ourselves. 
and we can't be responsible. We can't have we can't have at risk people stay home and choose to stay home while we all, all band together and help them and make it easy for them to not have to go out and stuff. No, no, no. We're going to make sure that our healthy workforce stays at home while the economy dies. And and what? And what? 65% of the New York cases at the moment right now, apparently to the for the people that they polled, all happened at home. Those were 65% of the cases right now are people that stayed at home. Right. So what well, I would say what what, are we doing? more than 65% of New York lives in a tenement of some style. Yeah. A, a, yeah. a very small one in which see, and that's, that's where it gets weird to me because and that's because that's where cross contamination comes in. Mm-hmm. And they would say that those people got it at home, but did they get it at home? Or did they get it by passing through the front door and having to touch oh, that handle that. and the yeah. buttons on the way to the, like there's a lot of uh, stages that get through there. Certainly, but um, we shouldn't prescribe the same the same treatment to the rest of the country that we would for something yeah, like New York, that. which is an incredibly unique place and lives completely different from the rest of the the country. I mean, New York well, is its own city with its own thing going on. They they do things their own way. They're all on top of each right. other. They're touching things that everybody touches, you know? So it's like, yeah, of course it's going to be hard there. Right. And I, th- but I think that also was a part of it. Not just that, because they, they treated this thing like it was cholera, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to come in. I don't believe at least I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor. Um, but based on what they've said in the research, you don't have to come into physical contact with this thing. They say it can be airborne. It's pathogen based, blah, blah. They're saying so many different things. At this point, I want to say there's like a hundred symptoms. Yeah. Like, come on. So to me, that's something that to me, again, to me, my opinion, that's something that's mutating. Cholera didn't mutate. The flu don't mutate. Or it's something that's being wrapped up with a lot of other stuff. Possibly as well. And so, but that, and that's really kind of what I'm getting at is there's not enough information. Right. For they had they wanted us to treat it like it was the flu. Oh, that's not good enough. They mm-hmm. wanted us to treat it like it was a uh, pneumonia, which isn't as contagious, but that wasn't good enough. Now mm-hmm. they want us to treat it like it's cholera, um, uh, MERS, SARS, mm-hmm. and anthrax all at the same time. Like, what is it? How how can you give me again the word I've used before again? How can you give me any assurance? I don't need insurance. I don't need to know that you can help me back out of this situation in the tight bind. I need to know that when this is all said and done, you can at least give me a coherent understanding of what's what happened. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, I don't. Right. I don't even think there's any um, appropriate levels of intelligence being used to research this. I don't. I know that sounds harsh, but. I don't think, I think it that is there's because... I think I think there's an issue because we've let and and this is a whole nother topic. I know we need to wrap it up. So I'm just going to mention this real quick. But I think we've interjected politics into every facet of our existence that we cannot help now but to operate within every facet of society with a political lens. And I think that that's being a parent in the way our um, government is running right now, the way that they're treating us, um, the way that the doctors are saying things, the way, I mean, like, I think that we've let politics embed itself so deeply into our psyches that 
we are now unconsciously politicizing everything. That makes sense. And it's not just the plebs, it's the elites and it's the authorities that are also doing this. Mm -hmm. That's all. Anyways, I know we have to continue on. So (laughs) Sorry, guys. We're passionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got carried away. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, And clearly the conversation obviously could still continue. If anyone wants to you know, give any input, um, any perspective, please email us over at uh, dive at thinkering.space. Uh, you can also leave a comment uh, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, just uh, let us know how your experience has been so far and uh, what your take on everything that's been going on. We, we're not talking about anything that's, you know, not known news, um, but may not be something that's in the news. If that makes any sense. Um, well, uh, before we go on to our, our next topic of the episode, uh, I want to take a quick second to mention Excel Fathom. It is one of the newest shows to the Thinkering family. And uh, yesterday, we uh, Nick had episode two. Uh, do you want to give a quick breakdown of uh, of uh, Excel Fathom and sure, what to expect? Yeah. Sure thing. Yeah. Um, We just finished our second episode of the uh, multiple part series on the gateway experience um, and the U S army intelligence report about this experience, which is a transcendental meditation program that um, utilizes hypnosis and binaural beats and frequencies in order to access altered states of consciousness. Um, and so this was the second part in the multiple part series where we go over the report, we talk about the intricacies of, of all of it and, and basically kind of uh, show how it exposes the nature of reality as we know it. So yeah, please check it out. All right. Um, and again, you can check that out over on the Facebook feed uh also on youtube uh, thinkering space channel and as always on thinkering.space so now we get to uh have a little bit of a, of a more pleasant conversation because we're just gonna give a little update to uh one of the ep- well actually two of the episodes no three of the episodes no wait i'm not kidding how many episodes have we done on tiger king um, uh, how many three, have we done? Be four, I yeah, believe. yeah, it'll be three, four. This is the fourth. This would okay. be three point five. I'm really milking it. <laughs> okay. Well, they so now uh, this past week, uh, two interviews uh, with the remaining cast members that were not mentioned in the uh, uh, special episode. Uh, that was a, a doc. The, the what's his name again? Doc Antle. Doc, Doc Antle. Antle. But what was he known as? Uh, Bob, Bob 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 Bond or something Bob, like yeah. that. Yeah. My yeah. lord. And the uh, which was a was a a scheduled interview with uh, the intent to be interviewed by a person he was aware of that he interacted with via the internet. And then on the other side, we have Carol, who got interviewed by a person over the internet who she assumed was the correct person. Um, and I will say both interviews, uh, the dialogue and the uh, interaction that they had with the respected hosts um, were 
were respectful. It wasn't anything out of place. But one of the takeaways that I know I took from watching both was the the need to still be uh, irrelevant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as I said, I think people are really milking the Tiger King thing. The problem with these Netflix shows is that they're so sensational when they come out, but they have such a short lifespan. Um, you know, like once you're once you're through it, you're through it. And then you hit the cultural zeitgeist for a couple weeks and then it's just dissipates. So there's probably a little bit of hunger for, like you said, Jose, that recognition of still being relevant. Um, I know Doc Ansel will take any interview he gets, so I'm sure he's not, you know, like he's been on like I've seen probably 10 or so interviews with him since the whole thing. And that's just from my scope of YouTube and such. So. Yeah, I. I wasn't too interested in the new doc interview and I'll, I'll be totally honest as to why I don't feel like there's anything else he can give mm. in regards to his story in regards to his experience, any, anything else from what we got. And, and, and honestly, not even in the show from that very first interview he did after the show, anything after that, it really feels like an attention grab more than anything else. It feels mm -hmm. like that moment of, hey, I, I know what this drug feels like, so can I get it again? You know, um, which is a little off-putting for me, for someone, uh, anyone who followed our episodes, you know, I picked up on them saying he was raised as a entertainment or, or a professional cowboy. Him referencing his um, past and of performing uh, before this and all of those things. It really rubbed me in, in a negative way, kind of, to see he's out there in a sense of which he almost views himself as a celebrity, but he he knows better than to say it out loud. Right. Yeah. No, that's certain. I certainly agree with that for sure. I think also, like, I don't know. I I, I kind of share the same sentiment with your what you're saying, Keelan. He didn't add. There was nothing added. Um, it doesn't seem like he has anything else to add to the right. narrative. I doubt that he'll be in season two. If there's a season two, like, right. what do you need him for? I don't, I don't know. Like, right. and I think maybe that was the problem. Like he was over eager to share everything else that he, you know, had to say that yeah. he, you know, like he did it way too quickly. And now people are like, yeah, well, we don't really yeah. care. We don't, we don't care about Lewis Lowe way too early. Yeah, yeah, no, I think sure. and, and I do think there could have been a really good story there, but really, I do think, he, like you yeah, said, he might have just gave us too much too early, and it's boring now. Certainly, I think maybe he'll probably have his own series in the in the end at some point. I'm sure mm -hmm. where it's like it's not like the true crime thriller series, but like a right. day in the life at the zoo at Doc Antle's zoo. You know, I, like that's I gonna was be thinking, like. That's going to be National a Explorer uh, guest appearance day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I think it'll be like, oh, we own a zoo and it'll be just like a documentary, like, you know, mm -hmm. series about him and his day to day life at the zoo and stuff. That's the best he can hope for, I think. Um, right. But I can't want really, I can't necessarily fault him too much for writing the 15 minutes because it's like no, all no. of these people are begging for you to do interviews. So I, I guess I understand. Right. And I agree with that. I just and I'll say I'll be honest. I was disappointed because I didn't I didn't finish it. It just it, I didn't feel anything new was coming. I was over it. Um, in all in all honesty, 
10 times better of an interviewer and you can't give him anything extra can't give him yeah. any new energy no new stories i mean i'm not asking you to make anything up but if you lead this such an exciting life as you're trying to portray to us of how much you love and how listen i haven't played a, a basketball game that mattered in about 10 years almost now i can tell you about every game that meant something to me like it happened yesterday so if you love what you do that much, you should be able to talk endlessly about new occurrences and this animal. You can only tell us about your elephant, your monkey, um, your, your, I'll call it your pride. You can tell us about your pride that you have. However, you can't tell us about this individual. You haven't once said anything about any individual, anything. Hey, mm. I have to give Carol more, more, more of a nod on that one. At least she'll tell you, hey, we go and we do this and every day. I haven't heard him talk about, hey, our, our daily routines are. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. I, think that, I think that's the through line for both of these interviews in my head. It's like there are certain questions that we would like to have asked, but those questions mm -hmm. will never be asked. So what are we doing? You know, like. Right. Yeah. What are we doing? The Doc exactly. Ansel thing was kind of the same thing, but especially the Carol Baskin thing in my mind. It's like, yeah, it was really clever and, and, and very funny. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would hate to say, I think, out of it? right. I hate to say that I enjoyed that as much as I actually did. That mm -hmm. was firmly enjoyed. And then to find out she enjoyed it, I don't want to blow my load on that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was really, I'll say that. And that's where I'm going to leave it with the Doc Antle interview. I was disappointed. Um, and again, simply because the person he portrays himself as, I really would, I expected a different level of, response from him as an interviewee and i mean to, to um speak of of carol's interview i think the one thing that uh the both of the the individuals involved in that video that um were doing was that they were trying to they weren't they were not they were trying to get something out of carol but within the the parameters of what they had as far as, you know, Jimmy Fallon's voice and questions like mm -hmm. they weren't going to go any farther than that. They just wanted to see how far they could go. If the customary questions yeah, that I they, they were clever, were effective. Well, let's explain a little bit though. The second interview was basically uh, Carol Baskin. Um, and so two guys decided to troll Carol Baskin and claim that they were representatives for the Jimmy Fallon show. Um, they basically scooped up a whole bunch of audio clips of Jimmy Fallon, uh, coordinated this whole, this whole charade where they set her up on the, on the zoom call. And then they have, you know, a live studio audience clapping and, you know, make it sound like she's on air. And then they use the Jimmy Fallon audio snippets to ask her questions. I, I just want to say those guys deserve an applause from anyone who understands what kind of work they had to do to get that done. That's certainly um, a lot of work. Yeah. I, I know Jose, I know you understand what they had to go through from an editing production stance. Yeah. <laughs> oh I, yeah. That was intense. I really, I like that they explained how they did it because it gave me that moment of, okay. Like at first you're, you're like, who cares? Like we said, who really mm -hmm. cares about these interviews? So you're like, who cares? But, the fact that they covered how they did it before they showed what they did, it made me kind of like anchor in a little bit. Like, wait, I want to see how were you able to do it and how seamless was it? It was it was very seamless 
considering, and then he was smart enough to give the disclaimer and how uh, Jimmy would be limited to his interaction. I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think those guys, um, not to go too far left course of the interview itself, but I think they deserve not just an applause, but a nod from some entertainment company somewhere can use those kind of skills. And when you have those kind of skills, guess what? You, you should be able to use them. You, there's somebody who needs them. Um, well, you got to remember, too, there's their, their, how they got past the lawyers. That's what trips me out. Because, That's what I was wondering too. Like, even if you were to to vanity. That's how they got past. Yeah, I believe that. Right, because Howard's her lawyer. He said no, and then she turned around and oh well, you know what? We thought about it. Yeah. You're, you're Jimmy right. Fallon yeah. and Carol Baskin is vain. Come on. And they right. promised that they weren't gonna ask her any serious questions. Any, yeah, about you know? well, specifically about uh, um about the murder. Joe or yeah. the murder. Yeah. Right, right, right. I will say though, um, I would definitely, uh, if I was both of those guys, I'd definitely make sure I was aware of my surroundings for at least another <laughs> few weeks. I, I, hey, again, I she says say, she enjoyed it. So, oh, she enjoyed Well, she enjoyed doing the interview and she's just as much as she would enjoy possibly doing something else that no one can seem to prove. Right. That's right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Look, look, as I lean back in my chair, who's looking? My, my yeah, she enjoyed the interview like she enjoys some good sardine oil. Jeez. <laughs> Oh man, um, well, uh, we can discuss t- Tiger King uh, a lot more. I th- I have a feeling we were definitely gonna uh, talk more about at least the main character. Um, uh, yeah, he's falling off. No, who J- Joe, Joe Exotic? Exotic. Yeah, because um, Nicolas Cage uh, has agreed to. Right, I saw that portray him in a movie which um i don't know if we're gonna do a review on that um i don't know we'll see i don't know <laughs> hey but it is Nicolas Cage. I do, do you want to do a review on the sorcerer's stone which one the sorcerer's stone not the harry potter movie the sorcerer movie that nick cage put out like a year or two ago and nobody knows exists oh, okay no. maybe something to talk about another another episode <laughs> <laughs> that, that's generally my point though like i don't know if he makes movies we watch anymore <laughs> Nobody watches him. Keanu Reeves, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Keanu's cool. Yeah, he could give me a bill in Ted. I don't care for all the other stuff no more. Uh well, pending the pandemic soon. Soon. Wait, they are supposed to oh, yep. entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Uh, I just got excited. All right. Oh, um <laughs> um I I think it's uh, uh safe to uh, move on to the uh, next uh, recap of the interview that happened this past week. Um, Elon Musk joined uh, Joe Rogan on his podcast show uh, again, and uh, was a, a pretty uh, a straightforward conversation mm-hmm. with a couple of, of restrictions that we we all observed. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, no yeah. need this time. Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking. I was like, he was sober at least yeah. on camera. No, no, he was drinking. He was drinking. Oh, yeah. But apparently, right. apparently, this is crazy. Apparently, like that was recorded. At, he literally came, drove from the hospital where his child was born to Joe's studio wow. to record that. So, like, he just he went right from the hospital from to the Joe's hospital. studio. Yeah. 
that's incredible. I wonder what it's like to have Elon Musk on speed dial like that. <laughs> right. And he definitely did say he was going back because he had to Europe. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 His kid's new name, which is X Ash Arch Archangel twelve. Archangel twelve, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, it's just A twelve, right? It's not Archangel twelve. Well, yeah, but it stands. But it's for the Arch- symbol for Arch- symbolism. Yeah. For yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it written out. Has anyone seen it written out? Because I'm interested to see what that looks like on paper. Yeah, it's just XAE A 12. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. so exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. It sounds like a call sign. It's basically a call sign. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, he's trolling. I'm roll with he's Joe's just trolling like the world again. Yeah. You know? I'm with Joe. That sounds like a placeholder. Yeah. I mean, he has definitely, uh, to the weeks prior up until this interview, um, I guess you could say it has been trolling or being very uh, expressive of how he's been feeling because as mm-hmm. we have all discussed at our uh, points of of uh, snapping on this situation, I, I think the entire world saw his snap yeah. moment in real time. I think he <laughs> had his, his breaking point last week for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, and it's interesting. He was talking about how uh, Joe asked him why he's going to be selling all of his assets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's basically so that people don't have any more ammunition to criticism, (laughs) criticize him anymore. (laughs) He just doesn't want them to use that as a card anymore. So he's just not going to own anything. (laughs) Well, so I heard two things when he said that, because I remember we we were kind of wondering, like, what would make you do that? And we had a couple of different angles on it. And so I kind of thought of a different angle also, because I heard this isn't the first time Elon's done something like this. And before it was liquidating the actual company. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it made me think, okay, what was going on around that time in his life? Like, was that before the invent the the? I guess it was. I don't know. If you would say invention or thought process and and creation of SpaceX and Tesla, which it was around the time of Tesla, but before SpaceX, et cetera, et cetera. And it's happened a couple of times. So, what I started thinking about is Elon Musk has multiple children. I thought he only had one or two, and this was like number two. Apparently, he has like like north of five. Five, I heard it was like five or six. I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. But the theory I came up with is every time Elon Musk is going to give birth to a new seed, what he does is he liquidates a good portion of his um, equity, him like personal equity, not just the company, but what he personally owns, and says, hey, I've amassed this. I'm going to liquidate this. This is hard cash that goes into an account for you. That name goes on there. We're going to push that off to the side. Now I just start over for myself. You're taken care of. Don't worry about it. Mm, possibly. Yeah. It, 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 it made almost too much sense. And then the fact that he was so, and I'll say it, he was, I believe he was very nonchalant about the releasing of possessions, but mm. I also love the way he explained it because it was really, like you said, it was almost like a slap in the face oh, yeah. to the people who want to, oh, well, you know, you're you said you want to help people and you're, you yeah, all, this stuff. all yes. of those things. And yeah, remember yeah. what I said, you can sell all that stuff. That man can go sleep in that hole he has over there off of Kershaw. Yeah, he's, he's going to be okay. Guy. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, he'll I have his billions and still keep him warm. Yeah. Yeah. I and wonder so I, if there's a restriction for him to actually build a mansion or a, even a house um, on that property, considering it's next to an airport. I would I think, think so there's... because it is considered an, an industrial area yeah. and there are no homes within a half a mile radius. They won't let Elon. I don't blame you for wanting to move your cars out of this. Yeah, (laughs) I I know, right? Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I I honestly just misspoke. I just misspoke. There are homes because on the other side of the SpaceX facility is the Hawthorne Airport. They're connected, and there are homes literally across the street. 
yeah. from like where the helipad area is and there yeah they're, they're all right the but, uh, i mean within that property because like oh i, I know i know he can trick it out with like a you know like one of yeah. those uh it's you know, a star wagons or something like that <laughs> you know like <laughs> No, no. Actually, I think there's an easier way to do that. So what you do is you can uh, build like a housing facility and you would say that that's for like your maintenance crew and your overnight security staff. Mm -hmm. Put a penthouse at the top of that. And guess what? Elon has a house on, on grounds now. Well, yeah. Well, I, I know that would have been one way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Elon, if you use this, you owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> Probably won't have any more left. But OK, so he did talk about getting rid of stuff. And then what else he talked about? He talked about uh, they really spent a long. And this is my one critique about Joe Rogan. He has a boner for Neuralink so bad because he thinks it's going to make him immortal that like he wants to know more about it so he can be one of the first to get it. To get it yeah. So it's like every fucking time he mentions Elon Musk, it's about Neuralink. And like Elon they didn't even want to talk about it. He didn't even want to freaking talk about it. It's like. To him, that idea of Neuralink isn't even that interesting. He said it, it takes up like 10% at most of his brain capacity. No, and his, five. His, maybe 5%. Yeah. yeah. And just Joe is so afraid of dying and falling apart that he needs to find every cutting edge science there is and then obsess about it. So what angered me about that conversation was that there was a moment in which Elon was transitioning the conversation from Neuralink to something else where he had said, due to the, the accelerated globalization of the world, we have to be aware of the, the virulence and the ease in which mind viruses can be spread. Mm -hmm not just regular viruses or whatever. And I thought that was such a really interesting sequitur into a different conversation. But Joe kept, just kept thinking he was talking about somebody putting a virus in your Neuralink the and then, yeah. you know, shorting out the chip or whatever. No, he was talking about the idea that now that we live in such an interconnected global society, just as viruses can travel more easily, mind viruses can travel just as easily. And whereas before we used to have national borders and tel you know, t uh, communicational borders, those types of borders would keep mind viruses out. But now that we don't have those anymore, the virulence and spread of mind viruses is something that we're not even like thinking about. And I, I was really hoping that conversation was going to go somewhere, but fucking Joe I, fucked it up. I thought that was prime 2009 Joe Rogan experience discussion. That's what I thought too. Afraid, he, I think he was afraid to go backwards because yeah. it sounded too much like something that could make a, di a real difference. And yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, for myself, I, I understood exactly what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And Me too, yeah. different people are going to call it different things and you're going to, we can allude to it in different ways, but it's that, it's that concept of um, common sense isn't common in so many different ways. You, you just, let's use that. Common sense isn't common. So if you have um, the guy that lives over here and he believes that the right thing to do is to kill someone because they looked at him a certain way. Well, he might possibly get the next 12 people to think that and they might get 12 people to think that. And now that's our, the mind virus that's spreading from this center here. Mm. And then you have this person over here who may be the young lady who decides Hey, you know what? I don't want to work at Target anymore. I'm going to go walk the streets. 
And now she's able to, like, and that's what he meant is you have, people have bad tendencies, people have bad thoughts, people have bad uh, or negative and destructive uh, tendencies. And you can spread that to the next person by simply being in proximity and showing them what you do and they don't know any other way. Well, I think it's even really more, I, I think, I think it's deeper than that though, too, because <laughs> the way we communicate with each other now is all online. So there are no borders, there are no restrictions, there are no barriers to our speech with each other. So what happens is that you're able to create, you're able to create narratives that are based in no right. actual truth and spread them much more easily because right. Same thing. Yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing for you to um, discredit it. And you need to have, you know, obviously you need to have very, you know, thorough knowledge of things to be able to disprove them. But um, yeah, I was really disappointed that that conversation didn't go anywhere, especially with the idea of, you know, coronavirus happening and the mind viruses that are happening within that, you know, situation. There's the, you know, the mind virus that we need to stay, we need to stay locked down until the government says that we're, you know, that it's okay. The mind virus that this thing is a total hoax and that it's totally not real. The mind virus that, you know, Bill Gates is, you know, trying to kill us with vaccines. There, there's so yeah. many memes and, and, and I really would love to see somebody do more research and, and literature and, and uh, you know, uh, re I guess research about memes and how, you know, mimet mimetics how works. Um, but yeah, the, 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 in situations like this where everything is chaotic, the need for people to reach out to some sort of semblance of truth is heightened. And it creates the perfect breeding ground for misinformation mm -hmm. and for bad information, malicious information. Right. So I think it would have been really cool to have that conversation with with Elon Musk, one of the, you know, the meme lords of, you know, the Internet. Right. You know, and I think you explained that um, perfectly because that, that's essentially I was saying the same thing. But you you had the proper vocabulary, which is something that I don't think people understand. That is exactly how that can go bad is everyone won't have the vocabulary to decipher everything. So they're going to take it at face value. So I, mm. I get exactly what you're saying. Mm. Um, yeah. Something else, something I personally took away from, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I addressed, I speak this properly. Something I noticed with Elon Musk is he almost has this, he has this ability to almost seem as if he doesn't have a foundation, if that makes sense. Like there is no, I'm from this place and this is where my main focus is. It's like, no, 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 the planet, mm -hmm. the planet, yeah. like the whole planet, like, no, no, everything yeah. here. You know, yeah. Can I get to the next planet? Okay. The next planet too. And th I think that's very interesting, but at the same time, I, I also view it as a bit scary Mm -hmm. especially in the times we live in, because we understand that people are um, groomed and raised a certain way. If you don't have a certain level of social interaction and social understanding. Um, and what I mean by that is we are all from different, we're, we're all from a certain community. We're all from a certain city, a certain state, a certain country, right? This is someone who we know is from a different country than we are from. However, you never hear him discuss it. Mm. Uh, you never hear him talk about giving back. And that's not a, a slight at him in any way because I don't know the ins and outs of that. I think it's very interesting, however, that rather than hear him talk about doing for country and doing for people, he, he well, he does think about doing for people, but doing for simply country, it's about doing for the planet, 
doing for yeah. the future, doing for the well, environment. It, it feeds in, yeah, it feeds into the transhumanist narrative. Um, so which he is a transhumanist, he wants to merge human with AI, with AI in order right. to create a new civilization of people. Oh, um, so but the only way you can do that is that if you treat the 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 population of the world as a global collective, because then you have to create you have to basically um, assert that there is a global consensus that we all want this. If we're all still nations, we can fight this stuff. But right. if we're all one globe and one people then the for the entire world get funneled to a very small collective of very powerful people mm -hmm. and we and they get to basically have a monopoly just like the corporations are trying to do right now with right. the small businesses there there are entities in that want to collectivize the power of the entire world in order to have the final say to push us into this transhumanist uh, world basically right. uh, where the elite will be uh you know installed with chips and have boosted intelligence boosted health boosted reflexes boosted everything right and the Alter poor card. and the well and the poor will just be the working class that you know strives to one day have the chip like the rich right and and that's i was with you saying that into the interview again i think it was very intuitive of joe to kind of get into that side of the Neuralink discussion about pricing and availability. Mm. And I even thought it was, <laughs> Elon tried, you know, I'll give him that. Like, like oh, you know, you could take out a loan. And, you know, people could take out a loan for a car too, Elon. It's not that simple. Right. Yeah. So um, I thought that was very interesting that Joe took it there because I, I don't see him as the type of person who's worried about whether or not someone else can afford something he can afford it. Oh no, he's not worried. Um, for, he's not worried for himself. The thing is, Joe. I think realized, he's worried that too many people will be able to afford it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He wants it. He wants it for himself and for his little clique of you know rich people. And that's right. what the, that's I think what was illustrated is that there's going to be a coveted, like a covet to this whole thing that the rich are going to covet this AI and um, enhance technology. Um, yeah, but. I don't know. I think ultimately like Elon Musk confuses me because in one, in one, in one view, I see him plug and, you know, playing into the overarching narrative of world dominance and global control. Right. And then I also see him on Twitter saying free the American people. And, right. And then, you know, so you, like, but I'm on the payroll. So I know things. So, so like he's good at sitting on a fence. That's for sure. Because, you know, like he's, He's, you know, in lockstep with all of the big players that are trying right. to to make the big decisions for the world. But yet he's still trying to po mouth like he's one of the people. I don't know. Yeah, no, nah, he he yeah, he gives me that vibe as well. Um I think this might be my last um one of the last things I picked up that we haven't touched on yet. And it was when Joe and Elon got to talking about basically physical dominance. They didn't say it in so many terms, but they were talking about physical dominance and overpowering another man um, or woman, whomever, whomever you're fighting at that time, but being able to physically overpower someone essentially. And I, and Joe was curious to know how far would the Neuralink help with that? And then they got mm -hmm. back to talking about martial arts and things like that. Am mm -hmm. I the only one that got the vibe that Joe was not only taken off guard, but maybe a little intimidated by Elon's just Elon saying, oh, yeah, well, I've done this for a year, a couple of years and I did this for a couple of years and 
after he got past like two styles, it was like Joe was kind of like, oh, oh yeah, shit, huh? because that's that's kind of the way Elon thinks. It's like he does things on like three or four times the level the normal right. human, but like to him, having done six martial arts, it's normal, you know, is like oh yeah, that's just normal. I dabble right. a little bit, you know. Whereas right, yeah, right to him, that's dabbling a little bit. Yeah, it's dabbling. It's He's the the, you know, like his brain works at a different rate than everybody else's. But yeah, no, I think it's it's just so I don't know. And I've listened to Joe Rogan for very many years, but it's very transparent how out of touch he's gotten. And um, you know, like the whole COVID testing thing, like him testing all of his yeah. his uh guests yeah, and basically having their you you know, the like he, he tests himself like three times a week now. And it's just like you're it, 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 the the cliche of the aging man, you know, that has everything in the world but can't keep his youth. You know, it's just like, come on, Joe, just age gracefully, man. Just age gracefully a little bit. Stop trying to hold on to your 25 year old self. Right. Like it's cool. You're it you're just, a distinguished dude. You've you right. Done I must say, so you're much. still doing pretty well, dude. You're still you're still doing vocal. great. You're yeah. still, you, you have a six pack and you're 53. Come on, man. Chill out. You know, you have like a six pack and you can kick a concrete wall down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Take a win here. Like it's just it to me, it just reeks of such insecurity that it's baffling. I'm like, dude, you can't be so insecure about yourself aging. Like you are going to age better than 99% of the population because of how you can take care of yourself. So just chill the f out, you I mean, know. Just like, add to that too. I mean, even if he has experienced joint or like you know it, it, uh, issues, um, he's going to be one of the ones that does that uh, uh, stem cell injections. Oh, into he does it. Oh, he, he does it all the time. It. Yeah, yeah, it's it's illegal for everybody else. But, but he's, he has he, some kind of a neck issue. Yeah, he's gotten stem cells. He's has yeah. he has t- uh, cadaver fucking parts in his body. Like he takes dead body parts and put it puts it in his knee. Like the man is obsessed with the Lazarus oh, effect. He neck. wants he wants to live forever, and uh, it's it's very apparent when when you see what he dumps his money into. Everything is about life uh, extension for him. Wow. Yeah. Oh, everything. Well- and so just so anyone who's listening and to make sure I make that statement uh, or that thought full circle, the reason I ask, uh, what did you get from when Elon explained what he's done martial arts wise and Joe's take on it? It made me question how big is Elon? Like, I, cause you look at Elon, it's like, he looks like a shorter guy, but he doesn't like look six, small. One, six, two. You get what I'm saying? I think it's more yeah, the way he I think he's like six two, but he's big. He's a big boy. He's thick. Right. He's got he's like got two forty right. or so. And he always wears dark. It made me really yeah. wonder. He wears I black saw, to hide his belly, that's for sure. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but because I'm telling you, when I saw him and he when he said Brazilian when judo, Joe was like, Oh, okay. He was interested. He was like, Oh, mm-hmm. you do judo too? Oh, you know, that's my thing. And it's like, yeah, you know, Royce and da 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 and Brazilian jujitsu, and it was like, Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I don't. Yeah, that's and then it was he just got had to start talking about the technicalities of it all, and it made me really feel as a as an adult male. I've been in a room with people who I know are better at certain things than I am. We all know what that energy is, right there. It's like, mm. oh, okay, maybe I don't want to talk about this with you because I'm yeah. almost sure I'm not on that level. Well, and the problem is though too is like Joe suffers <laughs> from the podcast curse is the, mm-hmm. the 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 problem is that he's been speaking for thousands and thousands of hours now and we all know the three triggers that'll get him talking about the same shit and it's <laughs> it's weed comedy and jiu-jitsu 
Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you're right. Like he, I, I know I can right. rifle off all of his positions on those things because, like, right. you know, it gets it gets so mundane when he has a comic comic on his podcast and they just talk about how great comedy is for the right. thousandth Thousand time. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! Enough. It's we know that good when it's isn't, that, for the isn't that the greatest profession that we did? Like, it's the only profession that we can you can say whatever you want. Yeah, Joe, we get it. You like saying assholey stuff and then <laughs> pretending that you're a comic so you can get away with it. Come on, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> I think, um, and, and with you saying that, I'll use Dave Chappelle and that'll be the it for me. I think that is a perfect way to address what Dave Chappelle said in his Mark Twain acceptance speech. Mm, yeah, Just talking about, um, and I, 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 I can cover that if any, if I could probably do a whole episode on that. But when he just made the statement about how you get to know a lot of these guys behind closed doors and the most beautiful part about what their job is, they just want to be heard. Mm. They don't even care if you agree. They just want you to listen. Yeah. And um, he, he was talking about how, you know, some of these guys are actually racist as hell. And it's like, yeah, they come off as a joke, but um, behind closed doors, now he believe that shit. And it's like, to me, if you're honest, say it, feel it, every, every bit of it. Um, yeah. Joe is one of those people who I feel like he says and means what he's he means, excuse me, what he says when he's on that mic, when he's on that stage. But the podcast, I don't always get that feeling from him. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just think it's not unique to yeah. comedians to say what you want. And like, you know, like anybody oh, yeah, can say whatever the hell they want. Comedians aren't that special, man. I don't know. It's just, it becomes like a big circle jerk whenever he has another comedian on. And it's just like, aren't we the coolest? Yeah, we're the coolest, aren't we? Yeah. We're they over cool. <laughs> and, and But if we're being honest, it is probably one of the cooler, more open careers. But it's I'm sure, yeah. hard. Yeah, and it's think, not it's not glamorous. I well, and that's the I part mean, that they like, that only a few people have addressed. It's like, no, yeah, you get to say what you want to, but you also can't look your mom in the fucking face at six a.m. Right, and you're <laughs> hanging out with degenerates until three o'clock in the morning, some right. back alleyway talking shit. You know, right. like I, all right, cool. You want to do that four times a week? Five, Go right ahead. Right, I don't. and maybe five out of five hundred people get an actual paycheck, like a decent paycheck right. for doing exactly. it. So it's like, I, I totally get what you're saying, and that's where it becomes, to me, a spit in the face to the craft, the way they uh, champion it on. And that's why, mm. to me, the only person who comes on and who does that, that I can still stomach, is like uh, Tom Segura. Uh, I like Segura. him. Because he's um, actually just funny, though. That's why. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Uh, um, Coco Diaz. Coco's good. Yeah. He, to me, he's never told one joke. He just tells you his life stories. He just tells stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he has so much great. His energy is amazing. That's what, like mm -hmm. Ralphie, like Ralphie May. Ralphie May was an asshole. If you every if you say any of his jokes without his tone of voice, you're sitting there like, yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but you put that that you put that country twang on it, and you hit that next octave, and you're you're crying laughing. So right. <laughs> I think those are the things that if they're gonna if they're gonna continue to champion it on that way, address some of those things, but. You'd have yeah. to be a little more genuine and as get much more, as I like Joe's comedy, like, he's kind of a bully. Just get more people like Elon Musk on, man. I don't really care about comedians. You know, I love when Joe gets people on that are like, you know, intelligent and comedians sometimes yeah. are funny. He's a smart but guy. He's not dumb. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's once in a while it's cool, but you know, like I'd rather hear from an astrophysicist than your comedian buddy for the 10th time. But wait. I will. I would prefer one of his. Like uh, he could let let Chris D'Elia come on again, 
before he invites Neil deGrasse Tyson on again so he can oh, cut yeah, him off no. and be Neil, Neil is banned. <laughs> Neil is banned from the Joe Rogan him, experience. Him he's and done. Neil should never have another public Ugh. discussion. I don't care how great a friend Neil should just stop doing what he's doing, period, because he is annoying. <laughs> right? I think he could write another book. I'll, I'll read that. Oh, he can don't. certainly write another book because right. he's a smart dude and he's yeah. very cool, but he has he's so smug, it's it's like unbearable. It's oh, you don't unbearable. Know the speed of light? Oh, what do you mean you don't know the speed of light? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The average size of a star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah we, we've think... ripped them up enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, joining us today. Um, please stay tuned uh, throughout the week, and yeah, uh, check up on ThinkGreen.space uh, for podcasts uh, for both thinkering and exofathom and uh, also some merchandise if you want to get a mug that looks very appealing uh, just check out the site um any last words guys no thanks for listening everybody hey mike we saw your comments thanks so much for uh listening again we're gonna get you on at some point i think it'd be good if we do like a section where mike just brings us a really crazy internet video and we talk about it oh yeah Oh, yeah. you know, nah, that works for me. Something There's funny. a couple of good ones out there during this quarantine, too. I'm sure he knows where to find them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for me, I, I just want to say thanks again, guys, for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for not telling your friends if you didn't think it was something that should be pr- pushed and promoted because honesty is what matters. So if you don't think that that's the thing pushed to that person, I, I appreciate that. And we um, we're looking forward to talking for you again. All right. Well, until next time, guys, I'm Jose. I'm Nick. And I'm Keelan. See you later.